How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Zach Zaidman. You know, back in the day, I used to live the life. Not a Bieber life, but no. I, I used to live the life. This is Zach Zaidman. Are you serious? That's an interesting question, Dave. Fly the W! Well, 4.32 for the Chicago Wolves updates. 4.31. Approaching 4.32 for the... Just saw Zach fire a, an empty coffee cup. It's Zach Zaidman on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Oh, it's Max Zaidman. I'm sorry. Uh, Chicago Sports Station. You know, the ancient Greeks long ago figured out what we seem to be learning this offseason in Chicago baseball. The philosopher Heraclitus pointed out that everything is consistently shifting, becoming something other than what it was before. He said, like a river, life flows onwards. And that led him to the following conclusion. Since the very nature of life is change, To resist the flow is to resist the essence of our existence, saying there is nothing permanent except change. Or to flip ahead to the modern era, as John F. Kennedy said, change is the law of life. And those who look only to the past or present are certain to miss the future. A pleasant good evening to you, Zach Zaidman, here until 9 o'clock, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers here at 670 The Score. So I guess what I'm saying is embrace the changes taking place. Don't fear them. The ultimate results may be spectacular. On the north side of town, change means saying goodbye to some of the most influential sports figures in this city's history. Guys responsible for giving you the championship you never thought you'd see. From Theo Epstein to perhaps John Lester, Kyle Schwarber, Albert Almora, and likely more. And yes, the man who verbally captured many of their greatest moments on television, Len Casper. Now, on the south side of town, change means saying hello to people you didn't expect to have entering your life, like Hall of Fame manager Tony La Russa with Len Casper now painting the picture of LaRusa's socks through the speakers of your radio, phone, tablet, or computer. Who knows how it's going to turn out? You know, on paper, it appears the White Sox are poised for an ascension while the Cubs might be descending. But sports doesn't always work that way. You know, if I had told you, after Cody Parkey's double doink, that the Bears would be 13 and 14 since, including a complete collapse this season, 
following that 5-1 start, you would have laughed at me. Remember the talk that offseason after losing to the Eagles in the playoffs? The entire talk that offseason was all the Bears need is a new kicker and they'll be on the cusp of a championship. We in this city actually thought the Bears were merely a kicker away from being a championship team. So much for that. The great thing about sports is no matter how much we think something is going to happen, it may or it may not. We don't know. It's the greatest reality show going, and it's why we come back and watch even after every heartache. Because any moment can be a moment we've never seen before. Because for every terrible season, we can dream about a year like 1985, 2005, or 2016. Ahead on the show, we'll talk Bears and the rest of the NFL with Tom Thayer at 620. At 7 o'clock, Sun-Times Cubs beat reporter Russell Dorsey will join us to break down the off-season changes on the north side. At 8 o'clock, we'll preview Bears-Lions with Kevin Fishbane, the Bears beat man from The Athletic. And at some point during the show, I want to replay that riveting Len Casper interview from the Danny Parkin show this afternoon featuring a cameo by Jason Benetti. I invite you to join us as well. 312-644-6767. The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Dial up the number 312-644-6767. Say hello to my executive producer, Mike Rankin. If you've got something to say and you sound coherent, it's going to pop you on the score and we'll get to talk some sports over a 50,000 watt radio station. Now, to me, there's the real world and then there's the social media world. And sometimes we fall for the trap that what happens in the social media world is the real world when it's not. But then there are days like today when there's shocking news that social media can be a place that brings us together to be able to process the news that has shocked us. And the score works in very similar fashion. Like Len Casper leaving the Cubs TV booth for the White Sox radio booth. Now, I'm obviously biased because Len's been like a big brother to me. He's been a mentor, a confidant, and he's a great friend. For those of you who love the Cubs, he's been like family. In your homes, every single day during the season, chronicling some of the greatest moments of your sports life. So instead of being ticked off about how your enjoyment of watching Cubs games may change, be happy for a guy chasing his passion after 16 years in which he helped capture the highs and lows of your passion. And for those of you who love the White Sox, Enjoy one of the best to ever do it, capturing what could be some very memorable moments to come. And you know what? When it's all said and done, I'm guessing the Cubs are going to find someone pretty talented to join JD on marquee. 
Now let's talk a little Bears, because I, for the life of me, cannot ignore what transpired last weekend. What happened last week in Green Bay was no different than what we've seen in most of the big games that this team has played since losing the playoff game to Philadelphia. The Bears don't have as much talent as the best teams in football from an offensive standpoint to be able to consistently compete with the best teams in football, let alone beat the best teams in football. Yeah, every now and then, there will be a victory over a team like Tampa Bay. But only because the Buccaneers committed a whopping 11 penalties in that game for 109 yards, and the quarterback, who's headed for Canton, didn't realize what down it was on his final offensive snap. But that's the exception. More often, it's the Bears making the mistakes. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have enough skill position players that change the game. Their offensive line, either because of injuries or poor play, is not consistently good enough for them to run the ball. And that wastes a good defense that we thought could be great, but isn't great. It's good. And perhaps that's because of injuries and opt-outs, but the bottom line is, it's not great. The Bears can't win with their defense and special teams alone. And I thought they could, but they can't. Those units don't score like they did back during Lovey Smith's best years as head coach. The 2020 Bears defense, the 2020 Bears special teams, they both need help from the offense. But sadly, the offense is not capable of helping. We've seen 11 games of this. They only win when the other team makes the mistakes the Bears usually make. As Lewis Riddick said, after that loss to Minnesota on Monday Night Football, the Bears can't fix what needs to be fixed during the season. And we can play the blame game for the longest time. But the reality is, you can't win consistently in the NFL without a quarterback who can consistently make plays in the NFL. The Bears thought Mike Glennon could be that guy. He wasn't. The Bears thought Mitchell Trubisky would be that guy. He isn't. The Bears thought Nick Foles could help. He hasn't. Now, you can debate the power structure at Hallis Hall, and that's all we've heard all week. You can blame ownership, the team president, the GM, personnel men, scouts, coaches, players, anyone you want. But the solution actually is quite simple. Until the person charged with identifying football talent on the Bears properly identifies a quarterback, nothing will change. You might have a good year here and there, like 2012 or 2018, but not the sustained success the organization was looking for when it said it was looking to build through the draft after firing Jerry Angelo following the 2011 season. Now, none of us have any idea what kind of financial impact the pandemic has had on Bears ownership and what kind of moves they may or may not be able to make this upcoming offseason. But instead of being all in, 
maybe the Bears need to start stripping the team down the way the Cubs and White Sox did in recent years, saying goodbye to high-priced and talented veterans and using those assets to stockpile draft picks in order to find that special quarterback that has eluded the franchise. Because as we've learned, it doesn't matter if you have players as gifted as Erlacher, Hester, Briggs, Tillman, Mac, Fuller, Hicks, and more. Because if you don't have a quarterback, you can't go where you want to go. And to get that quarterback, you need someone who has proven he's done it before. Because if not, you end up with the likes of Glennon, Trubisky, and Foles. Man, we've got a lot to discuss here tonight. Bears, Cubs, and more. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Coming up next, we talk football with Tom Thayer. Zach Saban with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Third and seven from the 26-yard line. Left hash, Ryan in the gun. Four of nine on third down. He is in trouble, and down he goes. They climb over the top and bring him down. Hakeem Hicks. And I'm a sack. Well, you see, I'm a fat. I won't say I'm a fast guy, but I'm not slow, right? Um, I think that the uh, the stadium, you know, the little speed thing that they do, it clocked me at like 21 miles an hour. They said it was me and Tariq Hill for the fastest people on the field that weekend. So uh, I think that, <laughs> I think that I'm no stranger to pulling the hamstring, man. It uh, I, I've done it a couple times throughout my career, even in college, and it happens. It's unfortunate. And um, can they be tricky? Yes, but I've done it a couple times, so I know how to bring myself back. And then I got a great rehab guy here in Tristan and uh, just get out there as fast as I can. It's pretty obvious that, you know, he's such a, a great player that for us being able to, to have him out there is huge. And so just seeing him out there and his leadership, you know, I think a lot of that stuff goes unrecognized and just what he does when he's out there on that field. So we want to be able to get him out there and uh, it's good to see him out there. Boy, oh boy, did the Bears miss Akeem Hicks Sunday night at Lambeau Field. I can't believe they didn't even touch Aaron Rodgers. It's one thing not to get a sack. It's another thing not to even hit the guy. Uh, Very disappointing performance, and you realize just how valuable Akeem Hicks is to this Bears defense. Zach Saban with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Pleased to be joined now by Bears radio analyst Tom Thayer on the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. And Tom, before we get to the serious stuff, you know this because uh, I don't like calling the guys in the trenches big uglies. You guys are plus-sized men. Big men in the trenches. But yet, when you guys suffer injuries like hamstring pulls or stuff like that, and you heard Hakeem Hicks joking about it, I mean, the ribbing that the big guys take is unbelievable because you're not allowed to suffer those quick twitch injuries if you're that big in the trenches. Well, they're, you know, big guys, Zach, <laughs> we don't, the, the big guys don't pull muscles. The big guys have DFS, and that's called a deep fat strain. And that's something that's been 
that's been a common joke amongst offense and defensive linemen for generations is that we never run fast enough to actually pull a muscle. It's more of the DFS, and, you know, that's the way we go about business. But, you know, I thought when you were talking about talking on the lighter end of things, I thought you were talking about the Notre Dame-Syracuse game. Oh, no, I, I don't notice how I didn't even bring that up. I'm, I'm actually slightly scared about what may transpire in South Bend tomorrow afternoon. There's a reason when I'm hosting tomorrow afternoon, I didn't ask you to come on the show because I don't want to talk about it tomorrow. Uh, this is not the year for Syracuse to put up the, uh, there will be no uh, Gipper-like speech uh, for the Orange come tomorrow afternoon uh, in South Bend. That's the, the two teams are on completely different levels this season. Syracuse is banged up. Notre Dame clearly is not. And uh, I think you'll be able to coast into your first conference championship game in school history. Well, you know, fingers are crossed. And, you know, you know, that's hope. I just wanted to bring it up for a joking moment since you are from Syracuse and I'm from Notre Dame. <laughs> but, you know, let me, let me say one thing about Akeem Hicks. You know, okay. Akeem Hicks, when you talk about the value of Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, you can see how their value decrease with no Akeem Hicks. So as much as we want to talk about the presence of the Bears' pass rush ability, it's the only reason they ever gain the ability to rush the passer is because they're stopping the run. And I think that's where Akeem's value is really underrated. When you look at, um, again, the, the analytics of the game and, and the stats from the linebackers, and you know the reason being you don't have two offensive linemen that all week they're told by their offensive line coach do not leave the offensive line unblo or the defensive line unblocked. Make sure you block the defensive line first, and then get to the linebackers. And for unfortunately for the Bears, Akeem Hicks not in the lineup. The linemen were able to get up to that second level and get Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith blocked. You know, when we were hosting our shows, Tom, over the summer, one of the names that we brought up a lot was Eddie Goldman, and this is before he opted out. And you tend to forget about him because he's in the middle. And generally, I, I know it's different for you when you watch a game, but the rest of us, when we watch a game, you're watching where the ball's going. So you're generally not focused in on, on the guy that's in the middle there defensively. But watching some of the issues that the Bears have had stopping the run this season, is there a greater appreciation for what Eddie Goldman was able to bring when he was out there? Yeah, because, you know, one thing about Eddie Goldman is he was active after he was blocked. You know, some guys on the line of scrimmage, they get blocked, and then they're okay with it, and they're willing to allow the running back to run by or they're allowing the quarterback to sit back there and take his time in evaluating where he's going to throw the ball downfield. Eddie Goldman, when you did have this double-team combination of offensive linemen and they were trying to get to the second level, and that's when Eddie became active, and he could – clog a running lane or he could get pressure on the quarterback if it didn't result in a sack and made him throw the ball um, a, a half a second a, a second earlier than he would like to and then that challenges the accuracy and the, the timing of the play so that's what you know when you're mentioning Eddie Goldman there's not a lot of people that pay attention to the nose guard in this type of defense because there's multiple bodies around them they're always paying attention like you said the movement of the football and where it's going 
But, you know, Eddie had a lot to do with changing the point of attack, making the running back go and try to choose an alternate route. And then you had Khalil Mack sitting there, or you had the rest of the defensive linemen or linebackers in place to make the play. So, yeah, I do think his appreciation has gone up throughout the season. Um, but, you know, uh, again, I you know here we're talking about Akeem Hicks and what he means to the team. If you had all the pieces in place, I do think it would be a different approach how the offensive coordinators would try to attack you from any opponent or how limited you could help make their running game. Talking some football with Tom Thayer here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score Bears-Lions Sunday at noon. And you can hear Tom and Jeff calling the game on WBBM News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. So when it comes to what we heard from Matt Nagy the day after the loss to Green Bay, it was as harsh as he's ever been talking publicly about his team. And I think it took some people outside of Hallis Hall by surprise to hear him talking about how the team needs to wake up, uh, show some personal pride, and, uh, and really put in the work to get to where they want to go. But behind closed doors, if that's what Matt Nagy is saying publicly, it must have been a rough meeting Monday, the day after the Packers game, uh, even if it was virtual, when they discuss what's transpired at Lambeau Field. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, and I'm glad Matt expressed his aggravation with the performance of the defense. But, you know, the thing about it is, much as of it hits the players like a pie in the face when they're facing that amongst all their brothers inside that way, inside that locker room, all the, you know, the camaraderie that's built because everybody that's sitting there taking the tongue lashing from the coaches, they're all in it together. But the thing, the person that I think it resonates most with is the defensive coordinator because you have the head coach that's talking specifically to the performance of the players, but it also has to resonate with the defensive coordinator because you almost the players almost receive a double attack, not a double attack, um, a, a, just a double recognition of the poor performance because you get it from the head coach and then you break up in the segments. And so all the offensive players will leave the room and they'll go file into another room for their own meeting just amongst the offensive players. Now, as the head coach and all the other coaches leave that meeting room, now the defensive coordinator, he addresses the defensive uh, staff and players. Now you get kind of a, a, a reverb of that message. Now it's delivered by Chuck Pagano. And I know that he wasn't satisfied with what happened on on Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers. But, Zach, is all of us, as Bears fans, as, you know, an analysis and everybody else, we're all going to see an immediate reflection of that speech this Sunday. If you go out there and the defense is playing at a completely different level than they played last Sunday, then you're going to know how much Matt and Coach Pagano's message has resonated to the players throughout the course of the week. But if we go out there Sunday and we see the same results, then we're going to know that, wow, we we have a bigger issue here that we have to address than just uh, Matt Nagy and the the rest of the coaches addressing the performance of the Green Bay uh, game to the players. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a totally different level of opponent coming into Soldier Field this Sunday. 
in the Detroit Lions compared to facing one of the best quarterbacks in football in Aaron Rodgers and a, a Packers team that's humming right now at eight and three. So I, I think that will give you an opportunity to have a better performance. But that being said, we know the Lions got the attention of their locker room by firing the GM and the head coach. So this will be the first game that they play under the interim Daryl Bevel. What do you think, knowing what you know about the Lions and the way they played with Matt Patricia, and now that Bevel is in charge and knowing what you know about him, what kind of wrinkles do you think you'll see from the Lions Sunday? You know, it's a really dangerous intersection that you're coming to. Because I've known Daryl Bevel for quite a while, you know. And so when you take an offensive-minded head coach and he has the experiences of working with Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers, he has the experience of working with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, he knows what it's like to call a game for and with a dominant quarterback. And I still think that Matthew Stafford is one of the most arm-talented quarterbacks in the league. So now... Here's the perfect intersection where you have an interim head coach that's being evaluated for the possibility of earning the head coaching opportunities with a super experienced quarterback that you can pretty much call anything that's ever been designed for him. And, you know, so, you know, it is it is interesting when you when you come across because I believe that Daryl Bevel, if the conditions are okay in Soldier Field, that he is willing to throw the ball 50 times with Matthew Stafford. And if he finds uh, something that has left an impression on him through tape evaluation that the Bears are vulnerable in some type of area, he'll attack it repeatedly until they prove that they, they can stop it. So, it, uh, But, you know, you put Akeem back in the lineup, you, play, you put Detroit on the, on the road in a natural grass surface outdoors, it's the first time they're going to face these type of weather conditions all year round in this type of surface that, you know, that that leaves some question marks and how it, you know, how how aggressively you can attack them to try to 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 limit their speed or limit the thinking process behind the line of scrimmage by Matthew Stafford. I think ultimately, when you look at the Lions overall, the weakness on that team has clearly been the defense for the last few seasons. Mitchell Trubisky has had a ton of success over the course of his career against Detroit. So let's look at at the Bears offense and that matchup, Tom, with with the Lions defense, because ultimately I think that will be the matchup that decides this game on Sunday. Based on what you saw from the Bears offensively in Green Bay, is there anything that they did in that game against the Packers that you believe you can take and use Sunday against the Lions that will result in success? Man, you, I mean, you can minimize it down to the first two plays of the game. The first play of the game, they have an easy rollout. Mitchell Trubisky to his right. He throws the pass easily to Allen Robinson. He converts it for a couple more yards, and then they're in a really successful dangerous competitive second down where they're second down and five or whatever they were and then they bust off a big run by David Montgomery so you took those two elements you take easy decision passes for Mitchell Trubisky and run them repeatedly and then you try to insert the offensive line and David Montgomery into the game plan where they are having um 
productive plays. And I don't need a 57-yarder. Just give me consistent runs of, of at least four yards where you're confident in calling them and then confident in getting that amount of yards out of it. And then if you have the simplicity built into the passing game for Mitchell Trubisky where it's easy, accurate decisions, then you will keep your offense on the field. That will compute the time of possession in scoring touchdowns. So um, there, there's a lot of elements that you can take away from that game and incorporate into Sunday's game. However, I am not going to let Mitchell Trubisky throw into double coverage on first down when he should have dumped it off to David Montgomery. Or I'm not going to let him throw it into triple coverage when you should have thrown it to Allen Robinson underneath with, simple, with single coverage. So can you you got to be able to make corrections, but also use the elements of the Green Bay game that you did do well enough to incorporate into this game plan. You make a great point, Tom. And can you, for, for those of us that have not played the game and don't understand the way those decisions get made, why is he throwing in, into double coverage? Is that... Is that something that he has to do and just make the play, or is it poor recognition of what's happening out on the field? Zach, as long as we're alive, two point two plus two will never equal five. So, what I'm saying there is to analogize that is when you when you, every every single pass play has a progression built into it, where you go from one to two to three. And if David Montgomery comes out of the backfield and there's a separation from his first coverage responsibility by about eight yards and you can get him the ball, I know you're going to make, he's going to make that first tackle or miss and have positive yards attached to it. So it's first down, and they call that play, and Mitchell Trubisky decides to throw it to the deepest route when he's being double covered. To me, and I hope I'm wrong, I don't want to see him making those decisions before – they actually snap the ball. To me, it's you have to have the center quarterback exchange, then you have to read the flow of the defense, and you have to make the correct decision after that. To me, the correct decision to, is to Montgomery on the first interception. The second one is to Allen Robinson. So those are the types of developments that I want to see out of Mitch in the quarterback position is that they're growing through their progressive reads in order to run the play at its most efficient. The thing is you don't want the predetermined read, which is allow the, the thing to unfold, scan the field, and then quickly come up with what's the best case scenario based on what the defense is doing. Well, you know, the, the first interception, as soon as the ball was snapped and you had two defenders jump on a Darnell Mooney, if you got two defenders in the defensive backfield jumping to one receiver somewhere else, there's a receiver that's either either one-on-one covered, or there's a mistake and there's an opening in in that in that pass. And um, you know, it's there. So, and you know, even Mitch addressed it in his press conference that he has to have you know he has to be able to protect the football, and that's in those types of throws. And if he does that. It's going to show, you know, progression from Mitch um, from one week to the next. Let's take a break here, Tom. I got a lot more questions for you regarding the Bears and what's left to play for over these final five games of the season. So we'll talk about that next. Tom Thayer is with us. 
You can join us, too, at 312-644-6767. Zach Saveman with you until 9 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. What needs to happen for this offense to get clicking on Sunday? The plays that we practice and that we execute in practice, uh, we they need to be called when we get to the game on Sunday. We know we can execute them. You know what I'm saying? We just Everybody just needs a chance to ball out. Bears receiver Anthony Miller talking about eliminating those mistakes that have hurt the Bears significantly from an offensive standpoint over the course of this season. To go from a 5-1 and one start, now the Bears below 500. It's been an extremely disappointing 2020 so far, but still five games to go. Zach Saban with you until 9 o'clock here on The Score, joined again by Bears radio analyst Tom Thayer. I think the thing that stands out, and I know what I'm about to say, most people will just roll their eyes. You can do a lot in these five games and put yourself right back into the mix if, if you find a way to correct the problems. But I think the way the Bears have played, Tom, during this five-game losing streak, they they have not received the the belief from the public that they can make things happen. And they've not earned the benefit of the doubt because of the way that they've played. But that being said, you're still alive, even though it looks ugly right now. And inside the building, you know, they haven't given up. So how do you find a way to to be able to put together the kind of performances that you need to get back into the mix and and make something of this 2020 season. Well, you know, Anthony Miller, addresser right there. you got to play mistake-free football, Zach. And, I mean, there's a lot of different elements to mistake-free football. That means when you break the huddle and two plays are called that every single player knows every single assignment against every single defense of both plays called. You know the snap count coming out. You know what the obligation is of your assignment of all the, pl- of bo- all the both plays that were called in the huddle. If this offense comes out here and they play mistake-free football, there is no pre-snap penalties. There is no missed assignments when a quarterback expects you to be in a specific spot. Then they can run an efficient offense. But if you go out there and you have, um, you know, pre-snap penalties, if you have infractions during the course of the play, if you have mental errors where the receiver's not in the position that's expected of him by the, the quarterback, then it looks like a dysfunctional offense. So there it is. Anthony Miller, he spilled the beans. you got to play mistake-free football to have the best performance out, out of your offense that you can possibly have at this stage of the season. Tom, I, I've... I've watched teams over the years that played mistake-free football, and then I've watched the teams that commit mistakes are able and then able to fix those mistakes and, and get back on track. And then there are the teams that don't stop making those mistakes. At what point do you have to begin thinking about benching talented players because the mistakes are too great to overcome? Um, you know, I, I don't give any player the luxury of making repeated mistakes. So if there was someone out there, you know, and we're not privy to that information because we don't know 
the terminology and the assignments of, of the specifics that you're talking about during the construction of an offensive play. But the coaches know that behind closed doors. So if there's someone out there that's making mistakes repeatedly that makes your whole offense look dysfunctional, then I got to change them. There, I, this is not um, a friendship business. This is about a performance business. And I've been benched a couple times in my career, and it's, it's come back to haunt me in, 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 you know, throughout even my afterlife. And so these players know it, and the coaches know it, and so you have to make the best decisions for your football team. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if it happens at this latter stretch of the season. But to me, I think it's too late in the season where these guys should not be making mistakes. You do not have the luxury of making mental errors because that's something that I think any professional athlete of any professional sport knows that's the one thing that, that can get them cut or benched the quickest. Talking Bears with Tom Thayer here on The Score. Tom, on the offensive line, the Bears tweaked some things during that game in Green Bay. And I bring that up because, you know, everyone wants wholesale changes at the end of the season. You're not going to be able to change every position. Some of the improvement for next year is, is taking place right now where young players are being put in positions where they have to prove themselves and you're, you're trying to develop players based on what they're doing right now so that they can help you next year. What did you like from what you saw of this new alignment last week? You know, I really like Sam Mustafer at center. He's um, he's in, he's intelligent. He's balanced. He's got a good snap. He's got good center quarterback exchange when the quarterback is under center and good efficient shotgun snaps. He work well. He works well with his offensive guards, and he works well when he goes to the second level. I like Cody White here. Cody Whitehair at guard. He doesn't have to think about snapping the before the ball before he's able to use his power, but he's got to he's got to be more powerful. You know the thing about it, Zach. When you think about going forward, there's a lot of players at a lot of different positions that have have gotten a significant amount of experience this year because of the pandemic protocol and different injuries. So I think it's going to make the offensive line specifically more competitive next year. Um, I think, I don't know what Jason Spriggs's contract status is, but he's shown me that he has the ability to compete as a starter. Rashad Coward has got plenty of experience at the center or guard position that he should come in and compete as a starter. Um, you know, Sam Mustafer, I mentioned already. Arlington Hambright had a, had some op- opportunities to start and play a big time role in some big some big stadiums and big games. That's going to make him more competitive. And Lachavia Simmons, um, Pig, they call him Pig Simmons, is another uh, offensive tackle that was drafted this year that has, has had some experience and practice and stuff and should make him more competitive. So, to me, I think in every team across the board in the NFL has exposed some players to either upgrade their evaluation from what they were able to contribute this year or make them or downgrade them and make them realize that we have to we have to look to change some positions or get more competitive. So to me I think there's a lot more competition as the season winds on going into next season than they started with before this season ever kicked off. And getting back to Mitchell Trubisky, he's not just playing 
for his future as an NFL player. He's playing for what could potentially be big money at the end of the season. Uh, It's not just what he's showcasing for the Bears. He's showcasing himself to the entire National Football League because uh, the, the career is in doubt. You know, if, if he doesn't come up with some good performances over the final five games, then the best case he can end up with is, you know, what Jameis Winston is right now in New Orleans or Marcus Mariota is in Las Vegas with the Raiders. You're talking about at best maybe a backup uh, with no real opportunity to play. So he's trying to show the NFL that he's a bona fide starter going forward. The next five games, or, or maybe even just this week, because we don't know how long this is going to be for him. Would you say that for him, it is all about his ability to process what's happening out on the field before we even start talking about what he's like as a physical player? Oh, there's no doubt about it. you got to look at the decision-making ability as a quarterback and how it fits your offensive system. I don't care what your 40 time is, how far you can throw a football, um, or, or all those different elements that these quarterbacks are judged by. It's all about your your mental frame of mind and the confidence that you have within yourself to make you believe that decision that you're that you see and that you're making is the right decision. You know, uh, Mitchell Trubisky is caught in in a, in a weird position. He is, you know, you mentioned Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, but he could be a Ryan Tannehill. You know, Ryan Tannehill performed well at the end stages of his his career, and then he ended up getting. Uh, I don't know, like a $100 million deal and a significant amount of it guaranteed. So Mitchell Trubisky is in that that realm, that he goes out there and he performs like the athlete in, in the area in which he was drafted and and plays at a really high level going down the stretch here. He is going to get that value consideration by, the, by teams out there that are evaluating. But if he underperforms, then he is going to fall into the the realm of, of Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota trying to get onto a team that he can reprove himself. So, And I've always been in Mitch's camp. I've always had patience with quarterbacks to try to develop, uh, you know, to the, to the best of their abilities. But, um, you know, Mitch, after throwing those interceptions last week, he has to throw – he has to show – uh, significant ball protection and uh, decision-making process at, at, at the latter part of this season. Yeah, I, I think what's frustrating is when you watch, this league is full of some really talented young quarterbacks that have been able to have success almost immediately, you know, when given an opportunity to play. And it's not just the guys from the, the 2017 draft in that first round. I'm not just talking about Mahomes and Watson, although no, no matter what Mitch does for the rest of his career, he will always be compared to those guys. But it's it's subsequently, in the, in the drafts following that, you know, you see a guy like Kyler Murray go out and have success right away. And you're seeing... Uh, you know, some of the the younger guys that were drafted this year, like Justin Herbert, come out and and have some success. And I think that's, you know, when you watch Trubisky and you're seeing some of the the same mistakes now in year three within the framework of the system, it it leaves you with doubt that it can ever turn around. Yeah, but, you know, to me it does, you know, I I mean – you know, okay, I'm used to a guy of, of my era, and I, I know I've said it repeatedly over 100 times about Steve Young. 
you know, I come out with Steve Young and he's in the USFL when I'm in the USFL and he's not a good quarterback. Then he goes to the Tampa Bay Bucks when they're still in our division and he's even he's a worse quarterback. And then he goes on to sit behind Montana and learn from Bill Walsh in the San Francisco system and he turns into a Hall of Famer when I his first start of the, of in San Francisco may have not come till his eighth year. So I mean, if you're ta- when we're talking about Kyler Murray and we're talking about all the young guys, Justin Herbert and stuff that have burst on the scene and played so well, I guess we'll have to see where they're both at after five years. Are they on the path to the Hall of Fame, or are they quarterbacks that just had good couple years and then they were kind of figured out by the rest of the league? So that's why I, I keep repeating the phrase, I've always had patience but I need to see it. The the proof is in the performance more so than just, you know, saying, oh, you know, he'll come around with time. It's got to be something that you're seeing signs of in practice and incorporated into the game. Well, he's got the resume in front of him over the next five games to try and uh, change people's minds, not just uh, fans who are watching on TV, but more importantly, the people evaluating around the National Football League. Tom, always appreciate your insight. We'll be listening Sunday afternoon, Bears-Lions at noon on our sister station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM, and uh, good luck tomorrow. Go Irish, go Bears. (laughs) Tom Thayer. When we come back, we will talk some Cubs. We'll also hear what Len Casper had to say earlier today on The Score, stuff you will not want to miss next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.